and I do it perfunctory. Hey, who 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 else clapped? <laughs> Did you do that? Or is that no. a mistake? Nobody clapped, Wax. Clap again, though. No, I heard a thing in your background. If something if it fell. was in my background, I dropped yeah. something. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were doing the clap to mock me. I thought you were mocking my... my, my uh... Okay, okay. Three, two, one. Everyone's going to clap, right? Three, <laughs> two, one. That was Welcome so to... Wait. Um... That's fine. That's fine. We're starting. Welcome to Wax Half Full, episode 23. I'm Wax, joined by my co-host Ads, producer Keith, as always, behind the scenes, making everything run smoothly. And today we have our guest, JPAC, joining us from the server. JPAC, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Could you, um, oh, Ad, how, how are you doing too? Before I, uh, I, I'm good. And I just realized something. You know, neither of us would know what episode we were on if Keith doesn't keep up track and put it at the top of the <laughs> At the <laughs> page. I just noticed that. I don't think I would know. I know, I know. Um, well, okay. I, I know because I have a topic list open. JPEG, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. So, could you just do the give us a brief introduction of you know who you are and why you know us? Because we do the thing always where we pretend that this podcast has outside listeners. Oh yes, see, my name is JPEG. Uh, I am known by other names in other places. We'll talk about them when we talk about <laughs> later. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. I know these people from Team Liquid. Actually, I joined Team Liquid back in 2009 because I saw it as a StarCraft website that yes. oh, this he, exists. Yes, he means the he means the uh, ancient community site, not the, the ancient community seat. Yes, yeah, yeah, not the fucking corporation it is now. Yeah, <laughs> not TL.net. No, the no, no, old, no. old. No, no. He means TL. He means TL.net. Yeah, but now it's the corporation version. So we yeah. went teamliquid.net. But yeah. there's, there's a difference. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go on. And then 12 years later, here we are. Here and we I'm are. I'm still friends with some of the users in the, from that platform. How do kids do this nowadays, by the way? So so like meeting someone on a community site when you're a teenager and talking to them for decades is, is something from maybe the 2000s? Like, so the kids... I, I doubt. Maybe from the '90s onwards, when IRC chats became a thing, mm-hmm. right? I think that's yeah, still remember happens. IRC chats, guys. Yeah, remember it's like that? Sh- yeah, shitty Discord. Or, I mean, yeah, it's like, like shitty Discord. Look, so what do I, kids I, do now? Do kids just like I'm the um, kids? I am the kids. Ask right. me. Oh, sorry, sorry. What do you, what I do you was do? a shitty teenager in the 2010s. So yeah, so how do you meet your online friends? I met you guys through Discord. Oh, so Discord? Okay. Yeah, Discord communities are massive. Like, all my students use Discord and shit. And they're not just... They've obviously got Discords with their real-life friends. Whoa, students? What do you do? I'm a teacher. Wow. You're clearly not a podcast listener, JPAC. I'm disappointed. I am not. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not. a teacher for people who are unaware. <laughs> okay, clearly not and, a podcast listener. Yeah. And, and students love to have their phones on not mute. And you hear the Discord, the infamous ah. Discord sound. And then they are so shocked when I re- they know... They realize I know what the sound is. And then I ask them how old they think I am. And they say 35 or something. And I cry. <laughs> oh I'm 24, God. dude. Yeah. Wait, how do, they, how do the kids find the Discord, though? Like, which, what website or, like, what like what leads them to the Discord? I think what happens is um, somebody in a group is just in the know on that kind of thing, right? And they say, okay, well, we're into this thing. There's a Discord for this thing, right? And there are mm-hmm. just so many discords nowadays, and and they're searchable. 
Like you can search Discord now. It's not like you yeah, have to. Yeah, you can to... search um, public servers. Yeah, there's public, public servers, servers and like some of the servers are really big. And I'm sure what happens is with those oh, really man. big servers is everyone finds their kind of niche or something like that. And they get friends they that way. They branch off into their own little servers, right? Yeah. yeah. I vaguely remember back in the day when I was like in my teens, just going to public servers and like, you know, Battle.net or IRC, talking to people, making friends. But that seemed like so long ago. Or, you know, forums. Actual yeah, yeah. gold fashioned forums. Ads, yeah. Oh, well, on that note, like ads. Like, so do does everyone use Reddit among the kids, or is it already old old shit? I think Reddit's not that big in Australia, at least. Maybe it's bigger mm. in, in America. Like, even my friends, very few of them use Reddit like, consistently. Oh, okay. I think it's very. I think Reddit's like kind of almost like high tier nerd <laughs> in oh, terms okay. of like my friends are nerds, but they're not high tier nerds. So if you want to say. Um, so in Australia, at least, rank the importance of the social networks or for the, the, for the teens. Yeah, for the youngsters. Uh, if I mentioned Facebook or Twitter to my students because we were doing something about that, they say that's boomer websites. I don't. I've never used Facebook or Twitter in my life. So that's those true. Are straight low, lowest T. Yeah. Facebook and Twitter, and then t- TikTok is just king. Like TikTok is king. There's no. There's no getting around it. Everybody has TikTok. Then I would say Instagram is like. BT after the SSS plus T of TikTok, and then the rest don't matter. Like the rest don't even matter. There's nothing else. Well, yeah, I have a 12 year old sister. Yeah, very. For the record, I'm 30, so we're 18 years apart, and she uses Instagram because I did not allow her to get a TikTok. Why do you? Okay. I did not allow it. All right. Well, wait, it's, wait. it's okay because TikTok's bringing uh, Instagram's bringing in their own TikTok, anyways. That's true. Uh, wait, wait. Yeah, and talks like. But ads, like, where where do they have um like discussions that are like long like? Oh, I forgot to mention Discord, ads. Discord, Discord. So it's Discord. Yeah, Discord. That's, Everybody uses Discord. Okay, so that's where they have you know the longer talks, not just the sharing of memes and you know the joking around. If they actually want to have some sort of like, like oh, they just like message on Instagram, like DM on Instagram. No, no, but like the, the appeal of Reddit or old school forum, like that's sort of different, right? That's different from other social media. The yeah, kind yeah. Of interaction you get because it's like somewhat uh, anonymous kind of thing, and you know you're not revealing to everybody that you like a, a certain thing that might be like niche kind of market, right? No, not not even that. Just the fact that there's a persistent thread that keeps getting responded to, and you can have this sort of extended conversation over the course of, of a day or two, or like even longer. Yeah, Does I that, think that's it, the thing. Yeah. Difference between Reddit is like instantaneous, right? Reddit's like, okay, this thread's going to be alive for three hours, and it's dead. Really? Some, think so? hmm, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's yeah, the big, yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest difference. Like Reddit here. topics don't stay alive for more than a day. Yeah, but within that day, you will have some pretty like um, heated back and forth and a lot of oh yeah discussions. Yeah. So it doesn't seem. Oh, so it's not like a forum where you know three months later someone may bump it with additional info or something like that, or yeah. you know on the site that where we all or where we met Max and I, TL for example, mm-hmm. you have some topics that have been going on since the dawn of the website or close yeah. to that because it's like a persistent mega thread for. Topics related to that mega thread, like the U R U S politics thread or U K politics thread or anime discussion, things like that, right? Yeah, I think at least for TL.net, the difference is uh, in TL.net, 
it, it's promoted to be like a, like a consolidated forum post, like a, a thread, where if there's new info, it gets posted to that same thread. Whereas on Reddit, is there new info? All right, he's 14 other different threads to follow. Yeah. Which well, are completely clearly, disconnected, right? Yeah. Yep. But I mean, clearly the masses have spoken because Reddit has just destroyed every community forum because that format, people prefer it. It's just... Yeah. I mean, I, I, can, I think I can objectively say, like, it's better. I, it, I mean, it's better... Well, it's better in the sense that more people like it. I don't know if it's better for discourse, but clearly people prefer that format by so much. So, I mean, I can't argue. Yeah. I just the biggest part of it is you get to rank people's yeah. posts. You get to rank the original post as well. Yep. So, you know, there's that popularity or did you say a good thing or not a good thing? Yeah. Yeah, if more of a social media if you see something you don't like, you can press f- the down vote to disagree or... Well, not disagree, but to not, yeah, put that up top. Yeah, so. I, I think like Reddit has the social media aspect of the popularity thing that a forums, at least TLNet forums, doesn't have, right? Yeah, there's no yeah. way of like, or any old school forum it. really, whether it's like something awful or or whatever forums we yeah, yeah, like used back in the day. Kanye to the. Have you heard us? Do you know what something awful is? Have you heard of it through just internet culture like history? Something awful. I heard it way back, back nah, in the day. Way no. back in the day, I did hear no, about it. No, Jay thought you would know, but ads, you 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 don't know, right? I don't know what that is. What is it? Oh, it's it's just like uh, it's it's the TLNet forums, but for general topics full of nerds and like edge lords. Okay, so so 4chan. See. Yeah, yeah, it's like 4chan. They used hey, to... remember our? Oh, you know what? It's, it's... Every time I hear about it, I have something awful. I know of Kibibit, you know our mutual friend of ours, also from TL. And he talks about how he got into TL through Fake Steve. You know, Fake Steve, one of the mods for TL. Yeah. So, and that's where I heard about something awful. I've heard about it thrown yeah. around elsewhere, but I never really got into that place. Yeah, it's a, it's a precursor to 4chan where all the edge lords used to congregate and create all the memes. And now it's just, it's all over the internet. So it, that's what happened. Yeah. So speaking of boomer internet, JFAC, you've been playing a lot of WoW Classic apparently. Uh, I've been playing uh, private servers on and off for years. Uh, I recently got a subscription to start leveling in WoW Classic in anticipation for the upcoming TBC Classic. The Burning and Crusade? In, yeah, the Burning Crusade Classic, which is coming out this year. And that's where I put a new name, and my new name under there is Rathlington. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, you remember Raffles? Uh, so yeah. I was trying to play off of that. I do remember. And we were talking about having the Lord Raffles Lion Throne. Look that up. It's pretty hilarious. Okay. So this is an in-joke. Well, this is a it's, huge a, it, it's a huge in-joke. And then I wanted to play off of that. And that's how I got to the name Raffling Tin. So, okay. And that's so, been my name in WoW TBC since... Yeah, I want one of these chairs for my house. I just want to sit in it as my... Uh, <laughs> it's like a couple thousand dollars for one of them, but oh, still. It is? Okay. I'll just get like yeah. a shitty shitty copy on AliExpress or some shit. So, <laughs> that may or may not come in the next 6 to 12 years. So as a boomer who played the World of Warcraft beta, um, I've never felt compelled to go back to play World of Warcraft beta, like the original one. Like I've... I have never felt compelled to do that. So I gotta ask. Oh, is that what TBC you... is? It's the beta. No, no, no. It's the first expansion. It's, okay. the... it's the first expansion of World of Warcraft. But I was just yeah. saying so... that I've, I've been playing it since like literally the beta. And as someone who's like insanely old school, I have not felt any need to go back to play 
the classic servers at all. So I want to ask, like, what's the motivation behind this? Well, you know, for me, the first time I started it was on this server called Excalibur. It's a pretty shit server by today's standards, but back in the days, um, it was one of the only TBC servers around. So I actually started playing WoW in TBC. So part of my mentality back then was, oh, I want to relive those times, you know, the times when I was just a kid or a teenager playing the TBC retail and not knowing anything. And I go back in, I go through those memories. And then once I got the satisfaction back then, I was super casual on that private server. I went off of it and then another server comes up and I go a little bit further, a little bit more serious. Another server comes up, I go a little bit more serious, get a little further ahead. And the most recent excursions I have been on is on this server called Endless. And I've gone pretty far in that server. Like I've actually raided three times a week at one point, played like there was a time when all of the hours not spent working was playing on that server. I think I logged more hours than I would like to admit. So, but I want to to ask, is this pure nostalgia or do you think there's some objective quality to old, uh, wow, MMO gameplay that's better than what you can get now and in some, in some other modern game? Uh, for me, it was just fun, right? It's fun to, Hmm. for me, raiding is the most fun aspect of playing World of Warcraft and in World of Warcraft, especially back in those days. And especially in TBC, you needed to have 25 people and that's it, right? There's no um, flex rating like you see in retail WoW. But yeah, but more than anything, it's just like the I enjoy playing the game. I enjoy so the gameplay is better. With, just the gameplay. I'm not is sure if it's better. better, but I just like it, you know. And I'm somebody who, once they get hooked on something, will play that for years. I don't play hmm. a lot of different games. Yeah. I play a few games for years on end. That's kind of my personality. That's kind of what I do. Well, I would ask. So, well, let me ask: um, Have you tried any rating in any other MMOs or any other similar games? Uh, have you played it? Because I because I, I can't tell if you're doing if you're doing this because um, of familiarity. Yeah, or, or part be, of it is familiarity. You haven't tried new experiences. Like it's hard for me to tell what the motivation is here. Yeah, like part of it is that familiarity. I have played WoW for a long time. You know, it's something I do like it. I do enjoy it. Uh, my brother actually plays FF14, and he has asked me to play it one time with him, and uh, I declined at that point. But maybe once things settle down with actual TBC Classic Lodge and I have the time to devote to another game, maybe I'll try it. Okay, I have a question. I have, I've heard good things about that game, too. Yeah, I've I played FF14 for a while. So first off, you got to think of MMOs and also like you know a game like League or whatever. What's the League genre called? It's like League Dota called MOBA. MOBA, MOBA yeah, like MOBAs. MOBA. The biggest thing is the time sink needed to learn all the prerequisite knowledge that does exist in like a game like shooters, but not to the same severity, right? So if you want to switch shooters, it's relatively easy, right? I can go from CS:GO to Apex to you know, yeah, because yeah, you have other things around it, but at the end of the day, is point the gun, shoot the gun before the other guy kills you. Right? Yeah, right. And then with MMOs, you got to know so much shit. To like even be like a prerequisite amount of knowledge to even like actually yeah. enjoy the game where you're not just like like I'm playing PoE right now with a few friends mm-hmm. and right mm-hmm. now we're at the stage of I don't know what the fuck is going on 
People are attacking me. Where's my friend? Where's the tank? Oh, fuck. No, uh, we, we killed them or we didn't right. kill them. There's like a lot of clutter happening on screen, right? Yeah, and I don't know what the fuck's going on, right? So that's going to happen for the foreseeable future because you need like so many hours in a game like Halo. The question is, yeah. why is World of Warcraft so revered? And is it, the, is it the rating system? Because I feel like my friend, for example, I don't know if I said this on the, on the pod. My friend was in a WoW uh, like rating team or whatever. And two of the people on that rating, what do you call them, clan? Yeah. A guild. rating guild. Guild. Yeah. guild. Guild, right. Guild, sorry. Um, on that guild, eventually got married like two years ago, three years ago. And wow. all the people from that guild my friend included, who lives in Australia, went to America to their wedding, right? So the guild was that close-knit that those guys got married. And then even then, also the people in the guild got invited to that wedding. And I don't think that exists in any other... Like, that that kind of thing hasn't existed in any other game. What makes World of Warcraft unique in that sense? Well, one is age, right? I'm guessing some of those guys have played with each other for years on end, right? Yeah. Because WoW has been around since 2004. So it is now a 17-year-old game. Or it's going on 17 years. But also, you were talking about how in PoE, there's so much happening on the screen that sometimes you get lost. Yeah. I think even from my cursory <laughs> look at retail, people say, oh, like retail mechanics, there's like so many things flashing on screen or so many mechanics you got to keep up with. But... Relatively speaking, compared to what I've seen from PoE, it's like not as many things, right? There's things are clearly delineated enough for you to understand, okay, got to get out of something or got to get into something or, hey, mm -hmm. we have to spread out. And that's like a general trend that I've seen. And especially for the earlier expansions, right? TBC, which is what I'm playing a lot. there are mechanics and there are things to the fight where you have responsibilities, but those are clearly outlined for you. Yeah, but right? how much of that is the fact that, like, you know, when I, I, I watch a Dota game, right? It's almost right. incomprehensible to me because I don't have, yeah. like, enough knowledge in Dota. I think there's a bit of that for PoE, but I also think, mm -hmm. what about the age of the game, right? Like, nowadays, well, people expect the game to look prettier. Well, as, let me just try to answer your question from, like, the cultural perspective. So basically, World of Warcraft was the first MMO that took all of the previous mechanics from you know all the previous MMOs and synthesized them into a package that was the most convenient, the most elegant, the most easy to play, and it was the first truly huge, like enormous hit MMO. And, and the thing about you know people getting married and meet, meeting each other like, that happens in other MMOs too. It's just that World of Warcraft was by far like, the biggest one ever. It, it had like I think at its peak, what was it like? Was it 20 million subscribers? Was it 15 million like subscribers? Or something insane. Yeah. Let me, it's like in Wrath of the Lich King was peak subscriber numbers. And yeah. So I think a lot of like the reason why it has so, so much cultural relevance is because it was just the first big. Yeah. It, it hit peak of like 12 million. That was it, kind of peak. Yeah, it's pretty wow. huge. So yeah, but, so basically, like the reason why, you know, the stuff that happened with your friends traveling to see their guildmates get married is because it was just at one point in time that huge, that enormous of a game. And I feel like the question that I would ask that I'm not even sure of is, did it get there because of like some kind of luck or, or you know, or was it because they actually made something that's objectively, in terms of like gameplay mechanics, the best MMO ever? That's what I'm wondering. It definitely was best MMO to that point 
but, right? but, no, but no one's At made anything point. better since. So that, that's to what, that point. So that's what we would ask, right? Because like, wow, at its peak, it had the most subscribers of any MMO ever. And no right. one has ever been able to come close. And does that mean no one has made a game that's as good? Or like, Riot's or making what? it, man. Riot's making it. <laughs> yeah, Riot's making it. <laughs> yeah, or, or, is it be, or is it because you know, people watch? It's... Yeah, who knows? It's funny that you talk about like has the games or MMOs have gotten better because one thing I one thing that WoW Classic really highlighted was after all the age of the game, right? The mechanics that were considered cutting edge or features that were considered to be good in 2004 just do not some of them just didn't hold up like uh they recreated the 400 millisecond batching for WoW Classic. And if you don't know what that means, it means that the game checks what abilities were cast or what abilities were used every 400 milliseconds. So everything that was cast in that 400 millisecond frame gets put into a single batch. So you have cases where the one example I know of is that a heal goes off on the tank, right? But the boss swings his swings at the same time as the heal going off. And even though the heal went off, the tank dies anyway. Because he just didn't have enough health before that 400 millisecond batch. And it was seen as clunky. People have complained about it throughout the entirety of WoW Classic. And just this week, actually, they removed it. Hmm. At the end of the WoW Classic life cycle. So was that like a limit of... Technology. Like, the technology. Like, that was a level, yeah, that was a limit of technology they were attempting to recreate, but just did not hold up in today, right? Today, people were expect, used to it. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. expect to have fast response times, or yeah. people expect things to react quickly, and instead of this 400 millisecond batch window where things feel really sluggish. Yeah. Another thing that really made people mad was the world buffs uh, i have not played wild WoW classic so don't take me as like the definitive authoritative word on this but especially on pvp servers world buffs are these really powerful buffs that you can get out in the world hence the name world buffs that helps you kill bosses either at all or faster and on PvP servers, there were entire camps set up of like shamans and priests that would just take those because they're considered magic buffs. They would just take dispel or purge those buffs off of you on your way to a raid, let's say. Yeah. And it led to this really unhealthy situation where people would get those buffs at like really odd hours in the night just to not get purged, camp them near the raid, and then log out for the entire week until raid time. Ads, yeah. ads, couldn't ads, play ads. You, you can't like make your boredom audible by clicking like that. You, like, you, you can't do that. You gotta at least mute your mic. <laughs> my, my clicking is just my ADHD. Anyways, yeah, no, no, no. It's it, it's you saying you're bored. I I, I know. We, no, we, it we, isn't. We, I we, we, we've done twenty three episodes of podcast. I click. I, I I know what the clicking. I is. click to focus. Okay, I I actually understood what JPAC said, but I, I but I also agree. It's it's very granular to um. It's a very little um, granular detail to classic World of Warcraft. So, so, so I, no, my question, about, right? Yeah. My question to both of you is, are like these like classic versions of games going to become more popular? 
I, oh, so can I, let me let me answer first. So I, I think yes, because as someone personally who has no desire to play Classic WoW again, but sees it being succeeding, my theory, my bullshit theory, is that I think Classic WoW is, is a bad game, and the new <laughs> MMOs, having not played them at all, having not played Final Fantasy fourteen or any new MMOs at all, I'm just going to assume naturally they're better because they learn from WoW. But I think that it's just it feeds into the general cultural exploitation of nostalgia trend it's like why we always reboot movies it's like why we always reboot tv series it's why we always cover songs it's why we always do remasters of games and that's there's why a market rebooting, there, there, yeah, rebooting yeah. games now yeah because um you know people 10 years ago they don't they don't die out they they, they live they live on and you can just exploit their nostalgia as long as they're gonna live you know and, you know it's and like, they did yeah they did. yeah so, so that's why i think it is like i don't think so I don't think WoW Classic is, is any good, but I mean, JPEG, I don't know. Do you think it's good or is it more nostalgia for you? Confirm or, or uh, disprove my theory. Oh, WoW Classic? Oh, I I didn't play WoW Classic because I did not want to play WoW Classic. It was just... No, I, no, I don't mean Blizzard's WoW Classic. I just mean like the original World of Warcraft game. The original World of Warcraft game? Uh, yeah, like looking back on it, like it's a very social thing, right? If you, I think I heard a, a video. I think I saw a video on this too about talking about how MMOs change from being more social oriented to having all of these solo mechanics in the game now, and not necessarily. Then that's not necessarily a good thing for an MMO, for, in my opinion. So I kind of disagree with games being better or MMOs being objectively better today solely because. The MMOs today really cater more towards the quote-unquote solo players and they have these ways for the solo players to get somewhere when the entire point of an MMO is, in my taste, getting together into a group and getting stuff done together, right? Right. That's what every MMO is. Isn't that where Final Fantasy leads? No, no, no. I don't think so. Final Fantasy is very... No, J-Pack's right. Final oh. Fantasy is very solo orientated. Damn, all right. You can get yeah. very far being solo, and also the like the raids aren't that big. They're, most of the raids are like four people. Some are eight. I think like it's a like dungeon is four two. people, and yeah. a raid is like fifteen or something. I gotta ask. I gotta ask my brother about that. Yeah, yeah something really? like that. Like, right. but you can get very far playing solo in those games, unlike MMOs of past, where you needed to group up to do pretty much anything worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. I, I was also gonna uh, like compare it to like last week. I got together online with some of my friends, and we just watched one of these Star Wars prequels together just to laugh at it. And it was, oh. that, 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 but but that's what oh, it was. Yes. It was like the social. Yeah. It was like reliving an old social experience. Just get together mm-hmm. and remember something from our past and have fun together, reminiscing. Ads, you're too young to do this, but it'll happen to you too. You'll you'll get together with your friends and. The things in the present won't won't entice you enough. You'll have to look back to your past to, to actually find any joy. Wow, that's sad. Anyway, um... <laughs> yeah, like to tie it back, like I do acknowledge that and on objective scale, TPC Classic may not be the best game. But again, I admit to it that it is a it is a game that I grew up playing in high school, and it is a game that has special meaning to me. Not so much Wild Classic, because I didn't start playing world of warcraft until tbc so that's why i'm more invested in it now than 
WoW Classic was when that launched two years ago. Hmm. Anyway, so speaking of boomers ruining everything, what, what the hell happened in Europe with soccer ads? What, what happened? Manchester United fan, why did your team try to lead a crew that failed within two days? What the fuck happened? Hey, so people who somehow were living under a rock, even my friends who don't watch soccer knew about this story. That's how big it was. Uh, the ESL, the European Super League, tried to basically pull back power from UEFA, who are the governing body of European soccer. Uh, uh, it's going to be awesome. You're just going to like listen so many acronyms and terms, and this is going to be it's just, just a jumble of words. Yeah. And essentially, they wanted to create wait, a league. Wait, wait uh, one, one second. Uh, JPEG, how much do you know about this? Do you want us to explain this to you as we go along? Uh, that would be good because I saw that, saw how toxic the whole thing was and tuned out of it. <laughs> All right, ads, start uh, again. This will be like the first time that I'm actually listening to it in full detail. All right, ads, start again, but with a little bit more exposition. Okay. Um, so a, a coalition of teams led by Real Madrid, Manchester United, and others uh, attempted to create a European Super League, or ESL for short, from what we're going to call it now, uh, which was attempting to pull back power from the governing body of European soccer, UEFA, and essentially create their own version of the Champions League, which is the highest echelon of European inter-competition uh, play. And they essentially wanted to have that running alongside their national leagues as a version where they would be getting far more money, but more, more importantly, they would be getting guaranteed spots in the league because as it as it goes now in the champions league unless you either win the champions league the previous year or you come it depends in which league you are from for whatever reason like the better leagues have more more spots but for the sake of this most of the highest ones have the top four get into the champions league and then the bottom the next fifth and sixth come into the europa league uh but obviously that can change for example this year it's highly likely that a team like liverpool Okay, you, you're getting a bit, a bit too granular. So, so I was somewhat up as saying that European soccer is it has domestic leagues and it has a continental league, right, and the I best, that much. yeah, yeah, and and the best teams they already get all the money. Like it's already very, very much stacked in terms of revenue share and right, like broadcast right. money share. Right. The best teams already, the biggest teams already get more of the money. But they said, hey, can we get more of the money? Like, even like a higher share. So they yeah. they wanted to make a um, offshoot. They wanted to split away, replace the Continental League with a new Continental League that would benefit them even more, basically. So, so they wanted to supplant Champions League with yes. this Super League. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. basically. Is that yeah, what they yeah. were trying to do? Yeah, all of the, the domestic leagues would stay the same. The English League, the Spanish League, the German League, they'd stay the same. But they wanted to replace the European Champions League with a new Super League, which would have different uh, different terms of rules and whatever. And that would eventually let them make more money. Essentially, it was, it was a money play. Yeah, yeah. It, as it as it is, as it is, as so, it always is. So, so what? And what happened was, um, within forty eight hours, it just completely exploded. It just failed miserably. Right. I I I heard there was so much backlash, like UEFA <laughs> pledging to ban teams from international competitions. Never gonna right? happen. <laughs> that was never gonna happen. But well, yeah, that happened. Uh, well, obviously, you had the governments going against it. I, were you surprised, Wax, that it took only 48 hours? So this entire story really, really intrigued me because 
I was looking at it and I was trying to find information. And actually, I feel like the podcast timing works now because we we're like two days. Yeah, no, yeah, we're two days away from you know when it actually fell apart, and now there's more reporting on how it fell apart, and now I understand it more because, uh, so so my impression was like, why would these teams bring, like, try to stage this coup, this this uprising, and have like, were they so unprepared? Like, did they not foresee the backlash? So basically, the re- so the reason why it failed was because. It, Everyone hated it. The fans hated it. The players hated it, and the governments hated it. The governments were threatening to intervene and say, "Hey, you can't like fucking like change European soccer. We're, we're like, the old system works." And uh, so, like now that I read the reporting, like I can sort of see see what happened. So, so as like, what was your impression? Like, like, did you think this was some sort of like well thought out, meticulous evil scheme? Because that was the impression that people gave you in the beginning, but now that the reporting has come out, it just seems to be that team owners are morons and they enact schemes without thinking about consequences or actually just looking at the future at all. Because that's what the reporting seems to suggest. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think the thing that you pointed out there was that governments went against the governing bodies went against it, fans went against it, players went against it, ex-players went against it. Everyone was against it. And for some reason... The guys leading the ESL thought, hmm, we shouldn't get anybody on our side. Like before we announce this, we should just have nobody on our side and just hope that they don't all get together. But they yes. did. I was actually disappointed when I read the reporting because I thought there was some more deeper story. But when I read the reporting, it was actually just what happened was like I think it was like it was basically out of the rebel teams, these the splinter teams, twelve of them, it was Real Madrid, Manchester United, and maybe like two or three more who really wanted to do this. And they just strung along, yeah. yeah. They just strung along the other eight clubs into their plan, and they were just morons. Like I, I cannot look at the reporting on this and think they were not just morons. They didn't talk to UEFA. They didn't talk to their other teams. They didn't talk to their players. They didn't even talk to people inside their own clubs. It was basically like Manchester United was one of the uh, people who spearheaded this revolt. It was it was a couple of people at the top who were going to this plan, and no one else in the organization even knew that they were going to go with this plan. So the, it was just a couple of very, I don't know, were they overconfident or, or were they just stupid? They, they tried to force this plan through without any consideration for what would happen. Because like, so, if you were holding like a, you know, like a master revolt, this insidious scheme, you would, have worked, you would have worked the government, right? You would work UEFA, you would try to find allies, get them on your side before you enact this scheme. But what seems that happened was and the reporting says that people who are in on this scheme, they, they, some people, I guess, maybe they're covering their asses. And in, in, you know, after the some fact, have to be lying, yeah. So some are saying, "Oh, I knew this was going to fail." You know, yeah, maybe they're lying, but um, it seems that they just went ahead with this scheme overconfidently without doing any of the groundwork, and they just did this moronic, moronic Splinter League scheme without doing any of the groundwork, and it inevitably failed that's what i uh have read yeah i think the the biggest thing is how how long this this rumor has been coming up for eso like the super league has been a rumor surrounding soccer for years if not tens of years right like the idea has been cut brought up several times if you have had this idea for this fucking long you think somebody would fucking do something to try and make this work which seems like 
They just thought that they were big enough, like the name Manchester United, the name Real Madrid, the name Barcelona, etc., etc., was big enough that any criticism would be targeted only from the teams at the bottom of the system, which wasn't the case, right? So I think what they thought would happen was a team like, say, West Ham or a team like Leeds United or a team like Leicester, teams that aren't in that upper echelon of soccer, those fans would revolt. They would be angry because they're the ones losing out, right? Like a team like West yeah. Ham right now can make the Champions League, even West, if they're West not the best team. Yeah, but, but yeah, and for, for um, this reference, West Ham is a shitty team in London. Yeah, they're like the worst team. There are many teams in London and they're one of the worst ones. Oh, okay. They're one of the worst ones that can make. JPEG, it's like if like so you know New York has the Yankees, the Yankees and the Mets. It's like if there was like a Mets and there was a Mets to that Mets and there was a Mets what was that to team, that the Mets, Giants and there's a Mets to that Mets. So basically, they will be the so six. So basically, Mets. oh my god, they're the six Mets of the city. So there's like Crystal Palace, um, West Ham, Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen these names floating yes. around. It's just yes. like, yes. I, oh, and I've known that West Ham is one of the worst, yes. one of the worst teams. Yes, they there. they are the number six Mets of London, basically. Yeah. Not, oh, not even, they're not even number three Mets. They're the number six Mets. Number okay. six Mets. Okay. So, yeah, let, let's use London as an example, right? Going In on. London, yeah, you have on. Arsenal, Tottenham, and Chelsea, and all three of those teams got invited to the Champions to the Super League, right? And mm. of those three teams. Right now, if the champ, if the, the season hasn't ended, but if the season ended right now, two of those teams would not be playing in the Champions League next year because they're shit. They're too shit to make the Champions League. But they're which, which were the shits? Just uh, Tottenham and Arsenal. Arsenal are just perennial laughingstocks at this point. Tottenham have haven't oh. won won a cup in about 30, 40 years, maybe even fifty years at this point. They're a laughingstock oh. as well. But they they have enough money where they they are big enough to be invited to this competition, right? Right. right. And the thing is with the Champions League is the money is so big that losing a Champions League spot is like losing your top two players, guaranteed. Because your top two oh. players want to be playing in the Champions League, which is the highest tier of, of soccer that isn't like international, right. Right? right? So those two teams wouldn't make it. But then a team like West Ham, who are, are when we say shit, we're kind of like over-exaggerating because they're good enough to make the Premier League. And then in the lower leagues, which there's eight divisions of it in, in England, there are so many other right. London teams. So they're the shittest one. They're currently in fourth. If the Super League existed and Champions League didn't exist, maybe they could get an invite to those two spots that they were talking about. But most likely, the invites will be going to other big clubs who have like a, a name. Maybe who's to say they're not even going to be European teams? Maybe they'll invite outside of European teams, right? Maybe they'll do that. So that's the funny part is that I think they thought that team fans from teams like West Ham would cry about it. But fans from a team like Arsenal or a team like Tottenham would support it because it's helping, helping, quote-unquote, their teams play in the top division all the time, even though they're shit. Mm. So, Wax, why do you think that didn't happen? Oof. That's a hard one to say. Uh, so, if you read the reporting, basically, it, it feels like they did not understand... Well, so, here's, here's the thing. I don't think they even... I don't, I don't think they even, like, they don't... I don't think they even made that assumption because from what I can what I can tell, they asked no one. Like they didn't actually make any assumptions about like fan backlash or player backlash. Like, they just went ahead with it because they thought they could do it. They overestimated their leverage. I don't think they even thought about what the fan back fan like response would be. Like here's the thing though, right? 
if you start asking around, like if you start asking around in earnest, yeah, you're leaks. just gonna get back. It's and it leaks. You're just gonna get backlash regardless. Like so, for them, the only way they were gonna make this work to have like a big enough pool, right? And put the story out right then and there once everyone's committed, once everyone is in on it, so that all of it comes at once, and then you have enough leverage. But clearly, they didn't have enough leverage right then. They it, the pool wasn't big enough for them to do it, and now it's been ruined. You know, but but I do think like uh, ads has a good point in terms of. Maybe because this is a. If you look at the big picture of the people who led this revolt, it was the American owned teams and Real Madrid. So, yeah, it was basically a Real Madrid, Juventus. Yeah. But from, on the English side, on the English side, it was these teams owned by unscrupulous, you know, whatever. Whatever. America. The, I, I, I shouldn't say they're unscrupulous. The Laser family. Yes. The American. Lasers. Uh, it was. Crunky family. Yeah, it was the American owners. And the American owners, you could see how they might think that. Oh, you know, our fans are only loyal to us. They're only loyal to us. That's their story of loyalty. They always follow us. They did not expect them to have loyalty to the institution of football. They, I, I can see why that would have been a consideration. But honestly, I don't think that was consideration at all. I honestly think it was just like all the reporting says that that kind of like deep thinking that you're talking about in terms of like thinking about how fan reaction would go, I don't think that even entered the equation. I think they were just morons and they overrated their leverage over yeah. UEFA and U- over the other clubs. Because that's what the re- reporting says. Because they, they, they didn't even try to make a consensus among the clubs. It was, I think, like four of the clubs, like uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, Man- um, Juventus and Real Madrid, who basically just strung the others along. Like, hey, Manchester City, Chelsea, just come along with us. Come on, guys. And... If if you're gonna make make that weak of a coalition, then obviously those other clubs are gonna back out at at the you know the first resistance. Yeah. So it's it was just a bad plan, I think. I think I, I was kind of disappointed because when I read the news, it seemed I thought that wow, this, this must have been a really really deep story for a meticulous plot to be undermined so fast. But it turns out it was not a meticulous plot. It was just a fucking harebrained dumbass plan made by people who were very hubristic because they made money in sports and they think they can do anything. And it was just a dumbass plot that got brought down for obvious reasons. So, yeah, sadly, it's not as interesting as I hoped. Yeah, for, yeah. for a story that should be that is as big as it is, it doesn't have a long runtime. You know, like it, it's it's not a Lord of the Rings series long time runtime, right? Oh. It, it died out in like two days, and now yeah. we're just doing the. <laughs> yeah, like, there was no I, there was no deep plan. Like there were no that, like sticking. there wasn't even anyone like sticking. Like there was no one sticking together. Like Chelsea jumped the ship straight away, and they said, "Oh." We were just we were just kidding, guys. We weren't actually. It was just a prank. We didn't actually want to be in the Super League. It was just like it was just a prank. Describes yeah. half the teams that were in that list. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because they did not form a coalition. Like it was literally the four top teams saying, "Hey, guys, just do this with us. Come on, it'll work." And they're just like nudging them with their elbows, saying, "And the other guys were like, oh, fine, we'll, we'll come along.'" And no, that that that's not a good plan. That's that's like an awful plan. You gotta have the you gotta have your allies in place. Yeah. yeah. I want to go further than that and say, like, the, the big thing now in England is the whole issue of not just foreign-owned, not just American-owned, but foreign-owned investment in general. Like, having foreign uh, ownership of a team like Manchester United, a team like Chelsea, a team like uh, Liverpool, and whether a rule such as the 50 plus 1 rule, uh, which happens in Germany, which is that 
the fans or the or a coalition of members of the of the club need to own fifty one percent of the team could be enacted in America in England, and right. yeah, the thing is right. Like let's say Cronky or or the Glazer family sell today, are they going to be selling to somebody who has like the grand idea of football in their brain? No, nobody who has that grand idea of football has enough money to buy Manchester United, who are like a multi billion dollar company. Right, so how do how do we solve this? Well, the the only solution is the fifty plus one rule, which may require government intervention. And I don't know how popular a government backed intervention for some of these teams will be. In that, like, obviously, the government intervention will be for the biggest teams. But yeah, I I struggle to see when where to next to make sure that in ten years these clubs don't try it again. So, so ads. I gotta ask you the question. I thought most soccer fans, the cynical ones, were pointing out now. Hey, so we stemmed off this Super League project, but wait, the, the Champions League is the same thing. The, the champion, yeah, exactly. They they've already ratified this. So basically, these same clubs who are in the Champions League, they have used their leverage to force changes in the Champions League. That'll basically be the same thing. It won't be as as extensive. Yeah, it won't be as um like. Like as ridiculous and as blatant as super, as the Super League, where it just says you cannot be rele- you cannot be relegated. The rules in, in the new Champions Leagues coming in like twenty twenty three, whatever. It'll be like, yeah, if if you're like if you, if you're not complete shit, you'll you'll be in, you, you'll be in. And um, right. so so yeah, I, I feel like cynical soccer fans look at this and saying, yes, this is this just like a small. Like, like side story, even though it seems really big now, but eventually what's going to happen is the teams that are the most popular, that have the most money, are going to keep using their influence to warp the Champions League, warp UEFA, warp their domestic leagues to get more of the money. And that's just an inevitable process. Yeah, I, I would agree. And like, if someone wanted to go even further, we've kind of like argued against this idea, but who's to say that this ESL wasn't to just push those those uh, laws along faster? Like, Guys, you know we could just leave, right? Like we did try it once. So uh, next time we get into a boardroom and who's ask to say for, we can't try it again? Yeah, who's to say we can't try it again? So maybe next time, you know that eighty percent of better. the money that the eighty percent of money we get, let's make that ninety percent this time, okay, guys? Otherwise, you know. Otherwise, oh man. Yeah. So I I, I don't know the pro- the the problem is in all of this is how does it how can we stop it from happening again? And nobody has a good answer for that because soccer is too big, or at least in England, soccer is too big. Well, to as as by the way, be owned by the, well, by the fans. Let me ask you a question: Should we should we stop it from happening again? Should we? Should we look? I'm I I would prefer a Champions League where only first comes into it, like it's mm. the true Champions League, right? And then yeah. you can have the Europa for all the shitter shitter clubs, right? <laughs> that 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 would be fun. I, I think, but yeah. The question is, should we be trying to stop it from happening? Yeah, we should be stopping it from happening, but why is UEFA such a good organization? Why is FIFA such a good organization? They're not particularly good organizations either, right? And the... You know, I was going to say something, but I don't agree with it, so I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I, I think it's stupid. I think they were stupid. I think there is no solution to the true problem that I can see. The, the Super League is just a just a symptom of the problem. 
but the actual problem hasn't been resolved. People are going to be like chanting around like, guys, we did it. We saved soccer. But did we? I think yeah. we lost. In the end, we lost. We just yeah. didn't lose as hard as we could have. Well, I, I just feel like um, this goes into more of like a philosophical argument. Well, discussion of sports versus business because we, we like watching super teams, don't we? We, we, we like watching teams yeah. for like amazing players playing other teams for amazing players. And that's only... Like, that happens because like, European soccer is so capitalistic. It lets teams with more money earn more money and then buy the best players and it's like a it's like a virtuous cycle for them they make more yep. money we get better players we make more money we get better players like that's basically the system of european soccer so i feel like i i feel like you can't be a fan of european soccer and and think that this was not inevitable that was inevitable unless yep. you want to adopt an american system where you have like a lot of systems in place to redistribute talent and wealth this is inevitable it, it, it was always going to happen like if, if you like this, you know European soccer system where you have where you like having like eight teams or super teams, the PSGs, the Bi- the Bayerns, the Liverpools, the Real Madrid, and Barcelona having all the best teams, and they meet in, in the Champions League and they have this amazing superstar matches. Yeah, that's cool. But that, but um, if you like that system, you have to realize that this system is going to lead to these teams doing this kind of revolt. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of European fans kind of want to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, like not having a uh, we we talked about this before, right? NFL is like revenue sharing system, right? Did we? Oh. They, I don't know. Like somewhere on the side, I think we discussed it off the cuff, like how the NFL's revenue sharing system ensures that teams get at least something right from the broadcasts. I know that they make their own money with uh, merchandising and concession ticket sales and things like that, but. Broadcasting day, I think they all split the pie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah basically, basically, American sports ensures that all the elite, all the thirty whatever teams in the league are splitting the pie like evenly. Basically, I mean, it goes further than that. Like, basically, the rich teams are subsidizing the poor teams because they pay a luxury tax because they're, they, if they have a bit too many good players. Right in the case of NBA and MLB, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so like that thing exists in England, for example, where it, the revenue is split perfectly. But somewhere like Spain or and uh, the Champions League as well, Spain or 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 Italy, or I think one of the worst ones is um, is Portugal, where the top four teams sell their rights for just their games, so their own games. Oh, so it's, it's not even a unified. It's not even a unified like here's the competition. And then we split it up based on viewers. No, it's even the teams have their own. They can sell the rights to their games only, which really sucks, right? Okay, that sucks. Especially if you're a shit team. So, yeah. yeah. So, right. so, so, so I feel like I feel like the conclusion. Well, like well, my conclusion at least. I don't want to talk speak for you guys. Is that yeah? Like <clears throat> I already said, like fans, they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Like we like having super teams with super teams, but if you want that kind of structure, then you're you're gonna give the super teams that much power, and they're gonna use that power against you as the fans. So maybe the conclusion is the American system is best. Have systems in place to make sure everyone stays even, so no one has more power over the other. Although again, maybe I'm I'm very much oversimplifying. So in the end, the Americans were the problem, 
but they're also the solution. They weren't then. Yes, yes. They, they, they were trying to save you guys. This is truly a Hollywood show. They were this trying is to save you. truly a Hollywood script. Oh. This is a perfect Hollywood script. It's like, guys, you know the Americans? Were we the baddies? And then at the end of the... That, that's it's like, like no, the whole... Ex- it's like, no, 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 no. no. It's like, it's like, in the it's, end, no, we weren't the baddies. Yes. We were, we were wearing skulls on our heads. But no, no, no. Those skulls were like... In, in, um, they, they were revering human life. Okay, yep. so... Anyway, in a, in a very awkward and abrupt transition, I want to bring up an article from our favorite news source, Sora News, which we use to just... Yeah, it's, it's our clutch. It's our clutch to bring up topics on this podcast. So apparently, um, Japan has a government department that has a very, very long name, the Agency for Cultural Affairs, a division of the Ministry of Education, Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology, and Gaming, and well, whatever... It's 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 a government agency, and they brought on this uh, new dude who apparently said, "Yeah, I mean, like, so his, his, so this guy's job is to try to spread J-pop throughout the world, right? Right. Or, and um, said, you know, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase what he said, but he just basically said, J-pop's shitty, man. I I I can't, I can't like sell this J-pop in the world. It's just too bad compared to back in the day when I used to write music. So back in my day, exactly." <laughs> So wait, wait so, so so JPEG, um, you were you were around my generation. You were probably in the generation that listened to extra pan and J-pop, right? Uh, a little bit. Okay, little so bit. all right, uh, perfect, perfect. So, ads, uh, JPEG. What do you think about this boomer Japanese cultural mini- cultural ministry official saying that modern J-pop, modern Japanese pop music is is not that interesting, and we can't really sell this to the world? JPEG, go first. That's basically what he said, yeah. And he compared it to K-pop. Okay, all right. It's funny. Quote, but songs are weakly sung, put through a computer and released. What about substance? Is there blood coursing through the music? These are the important questions. My God. (laughs) Is there substance in the J-pop today? I don't know, because I didn't listen to J-pop for years. Okay, as somebody who does listen to J-pop quite frequently, and who has a Twitter account called Ongaku Osusume, where you can find my J-pop recommendations. Good plug there. Thank you for the plug opportunity. <laughs> I would say, and somebody who also listens to like old school like Japanese music, like Yellow Magic Orchestra, that kind of stuff. Um, it's funny that he makes reference to K-pop, and he says, guys, we need to attack K-pop. Korea is beating us in the music industry worldwide. <laughs> we need to defeat the K-pop evil villain who is now selling more K-pop in, a, in Japan than Japan is selling J-pop to Japan at this point, right? Is that how it's happening? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's basically so, happening right now. Oh, my God. And he says that, like, you know that part where he says, put through a computer, weekly sung and released. I'm like, but that's what K-pop does. And K-pop also makes lots of money. So clearly the problem isn't the computer and the weekly song. Uh, it's the fact that you guys don't know how to market. So maybe you should fix the marketing problem. So yeah, I think this guy is hilarious. But I also think that it's the classic, right? It's the classic, guys, music sucks nowadays. And every 10 years, somebody has now gotten old enough to drop that line. 
because oh, they're yes. saying music like it happens in every genre it happens in everything i don't know what this guy wants but your job is to f- fix a problem and he's like i can't fix the problem you guys suck great get the fuck out of the job <laughs> okay bro oh my god uh, as i'm eating some chips yeah wax still eating chips. I, I, I gotta say um so yeah man jpeg i feel like I got <laughs> I got okay, okay. Enjoy your chips. Come on. Now, for the record, um, yeah, Korean, the Korean counterpart is called the uh, Ministry of Culture, Sports, and Tourism. All right. I think Tespa was under this, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Right. So they're very similar. Mm-hmm. So, I like so, how uh, education uh, is put into this for Japan. It's like, yeah, guys, education. Ads, ads. So, I gotta say, ads. You think marketing is easy? Marketing is hard, man. Marketing, like marketing, is everything. You can have the best product ever, but market and your marketing could, could tank it. Like, as you would know, as as a huge fan of Japanese music, like why? Why do you think it's not popular? Why? Why do you think it's not popular? Why do I think it's not popular? Uh, because the image, the focus on image, isn't as high. What do you mean, image? Like the, the image of the artists, right? When when you see a K-pop band, it's super con- like the image of the K-pop band is super controlled. Their social media is super controlled. Everything about a K-pop band is controlled by like a a, a group. Man, I should get my brother in here. He's more into this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to go get him? <laughs> no, 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 no. But here's here's the thing. Like, I don't think these like K-pop management companies did this thinking that. Did were they like doing focus groups in the United States, doing focus groups in the Philippines, doing focus groups wherever, saying, "Hey, oh, do you like this image?" No, they they just went out there and they just sold these guys in this way, and it and it worked out. Yeah, but they they also did the whole thing of like pushing onto social media, pushing their image on social media, pushing them in that kind of direction. And the the biggest thing is sex sells, yeah. and Korea perfectly encapsulated the sex sales image on onto k-pop which you know that why? doesn't exist as much in j-pop okay okay here's a here's a bad comment you know why why because porn is technically banned in korea it's banned yeah. in japan oh, is it, it's not banned in japan it might not be japan, banned in japan. It, it is also banned in japan but porn is banned in japan what was more what's okay you're right it's more banned in korea i would say it's more banned. oh it's more um, banned in korea for sure uh warnings.or.kr anybody i'm not korean Wax, Wax uh, oh. is a, as a child of Korea who lived in Korea. Okay, so this this is not like a a childhood thing. This is just more like me going to Korea like in the last year. Yeah, you can't go to Pornhub on Korea. It, it gives you um some fucking like government VPN thing. No, nice. <laughs> right, so you can't you can't go there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is the thing that cops up. No, but, no, but like but no, that's. That that's I don't know that's not that's not related to that shit. That's that's just um So you think it was luck that K pop got so big? Oh yeah. I think oh, yeah. I think I think it's they lucked into an aesthetic that people liked because because Japan back in the nineties they were creating a lot of cool music. Like I'm a big fan of X Japan. I think X Japan was amazing. And like I think it's just more luck that randomly the K pop aesthetic and the sound okay, so you know what, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but I think luck had a part to play in it. I think yeah, uh, of course part... luck has a part to play in it, but you're yeah. making it sound like luck was the biggest driving factor. I, I definitely think the fact that a group, uh, like a, a K-pop group, has their image controlled 
like actually you know what? even then some like idol groups have that same we're going back to the idol groups guys i'm still <laughs> living my dream of becoming a manager of idol yes. groups. Yes, <laughs> Uh, those do <laughs> those do have like an insane amount of control over the artist but do you guys know um what was that baby metal do you guys remember baby metal yeah oh yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're yeah. massive outside of japan or in japan even even outside of japan they got a cult following no, outside of japan right? because um uh, people were reacting to it like wait because it was a it was novel to people outside right that you have these three girls playing metal music like this a pretty yeah, novel there's, concept there's like yeah and it, it was a meme for like a hot month yeah I, I think it still has like a cult following outside of japan but it, when i was in japan they had a baby metal concert and the concert sold out an arena of like forty thousand people something like that right oh yeah i remember yeah. i i do remember hearing about that they're big they're, they're massive right so why aren't j-pop bands as big as k-pop bands this guy's wrong like it's not the weekly song put through a computer and released it's the fact that J-pop doesn't try and combine Western aesthetics as much as it does with K-pop. At least the ones I've listened to. I haven't listened to all of them. But Japan has a more insular style of music nowadays, even more so than it did in the 80s and 90s. Because in the 80s and 90s, the musicians were going to America. Like a person like uh, Haruomi Hosono or Yellow Magic Orchestra, those kind of people who were part of that, they went to America and they recorded with American artists and almost all of their music was American influenced and they had American artists playing on their albums, right? So it was heavily American influenced. And that's when that kind of stuff, that's, that was the whole start of Shibuya K and that kind of stuff with like, have you guys heard of Cornelius? Nope. Nope. Yeah, he's like a very famous guitar artist as well. Those, those kind of people. So right. yeah, I, I think the fact is that Japan just became more insular in their music style. Whereas Korea borrowed heavily from the West and ah. incorporated Western aesthetic. I, I feel like, I feel like, so maybe when I said it was all luck, I was exaggerating. I just want, I think this is this more happenstance and we can't really explain it that well. Cause I, obviously we, you know, people want to find out the reason, the cause and effect and why things happen. But like, like so many of these like Eastern Asian markets have, well, not even East Asian, just like Asian markets have, you know, their own pop groups and their own music. And I feel like the reason why K-pop got so big in in the West, uh, I I can't find a through line. Like personally, like I, I just think it was just random factors that we haven't been able to analyze completely. I, I I'm just not willing to say it's some sort of like um, function of merit. I just think it's like one of those things that hey, why do things go viral? I mean, you just don't know. They sometimes things go viral, and that's just it, right? Like why did the Macarena go viral? I don't know. It just did. Yeah, it's but very hard to explain. Like for me, viral is different from ma- like and, uh, massive. That's yeah, that's true. But um, so in case ads, music industry. What do you want to? We were we were talking uh, about this last week. Yeah, so I mean, but like, so for me, whenever we talk about K-pop and J-pop, I know my brother told me about this. Is like how the group, like, let's say, like, I know that for K-pop, you have one group that takes years to groom. And they're placed when they are fully ready as the company sees fit, right? Let's say, right? Yeah. But in Japan, right, it's kind of like you get placed and then you debut in six months. And then let's say like AKB, right? You have graduating classes of AKB, which I thought yeah, was... Yeah, you have that baby... 
which I thought was a mind blowing, right? Same thing, mate. Or like it's like an ongoing thing with these um, Japan, Japan's like Japan groups, yeah. right? Like baby metals, the the like what do you call the 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 concept of baby metal isn't tied to the artists. It's tied to baby right. metal as a concept, and then if you get too old to be part of baby metal, then they just, you just graduate. Right? Yeah, you just replace. They you get replaced. So there's like a constant cycle of people who are baby metal. Right, maybe I, don't, I maybe, can't think of anything uh, like that in the West. I can't think of anything like that in the West. I can't think of anything like that in Korea either. Right? Yeah, you have members coming and going, but for the most part, that's the group, right? Yeah. And if a group falls apart, a group is done. Like Sistar is now done. They're done as a group. So maybe one of many reasons why K-pop has more of that such appeal is that you can appeal to. Sp- like those are the these are the people in the group and these are the people you can follow and these are the people that are going to be oh they're going to be part of this group until you know for hopefully till the group is done so what somebody needs to explain to Tokura-san is you right. don't understand the true meaning of music and the true meaning of music is not the music it's stan culture mate it's stan culture. Like you need, yeah, right? he needs to understand. Stan music culture. is music, but if you can't get people to follow you, then what's the meaning, right? <laughs> so, well, well, in terms of music business, I would say. I would in say, terms of mu- but like music business is what makes the music go around, right? Yeah, I feel like we're already, we're getting into like some some specious territory. But like, yeah, like let's just leave it at that and. Um, let's talk about how they make money instead. Let's, yes, yeah, let's, let's move. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey. Is the way to make music to treat it completely cynically and rely on stand culture and insane people to buy our records five times? Or is it to do something else? Ads, tell me the story. Okay. So the, the story was a story in the Financial Times. It was actually like a mini documentary kind of thing with a person who, I don't know if he used to write for them, but uh, he he's, a, he's also a writer for them and he also um, is a what you call, manager for his cousin who's a up-and-coming up artist in, in the music industry. And he essentially follows his cousin's, uh, you know, rise to fame, quote-unquote. He's not exactly famous or anything. Um, and seeing how, and speaking to many people in the music industry, seeing how money is made in the music industry and how money will be made in the future in a post-COVID and even during COVID world. Um, and essentially goes into that stuff like, oh, Turing's the biggest money maker. Everyone knows this. What happens when? Turing doesn't exist. Right. I want to ask before we go into this topic. So what when happened? When was the last time? Oh. We'll get, we'll get there. Okay. When was the last time you guys bought an album? Either bought digitally an... or a CD or a vinyl. Bought an album. Oh, oh, I, I, I can, I can answer this question, and it's going to be a little bit sad, but um, basically, there, there was a indie track that I randomly heard through a. Oh, so this is actually ties in very well, I guess. So. I randomly came across a Spotify playlist that I really, really like. <laughs> and I follow this person who curates these playlists. So I, I follow her playlist every year to listen to her best of, you know, 2017, 20, whatever playlists. So I was listening. So yeah, I've been following her for a couple of years. And on her, I forget which year playlists, I found a new song. I thought, oh, this song is amazing. I really, really like this song. And I, and I really, and I just like listened to this one track over and over. And this person is obviously much more indie than me. And so, and so this track I found had been like 
this this band no one has heard about. They're they're on Spotify, but they don't tour. Like no one fucking knows them. And then tragically, I heard that um, they were actually one of the bands that uh, died in the tragic Oakland fire. I, I don't know if I don't know if you remember the story, but there was remember, a thing. Yeah. yeah, there was this artist collective in Oakland, and fire standards were not being held there. Fire standards were not being like, yeah, yeah. So basically, a bunch of people there died, and um, yeah. So uh, I, I bought the album posthumously. I was like, hey, I, 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 you know, I, I really, really like this band. I was listening to this on Spotify, and I, you know, I don't know where the money goes. Probably goes to the label, but I just felt like, hey, I'm just gonna buy this album because, uh, I mean, I, I don't have a CD record. It was a digital album, but I decided to buy the album for this band. JPEG, when was the last time you bought an album? Honestly, I don't even remember. That's how long ago? I, I don't Have you gone to a, a concert or a festival? Oh, I went to like this a little concert back when, um, back in the days when I was watching MLP. Uh, one of the voice actresses there was having a little concert at the bar. And I went to that bar and I saw her sing. And you know that that's the last time I remember going to someplace, and that was free, which is part yeah. of the reason why I went. Okay, <laughs> so you didn't bet. So the concept that this, uh, and I'm going to use these ideas later. Um, the concept was that the music industry relies heavily on, uh, not the music industry, rather musicians rely heavily on touring because the way it works is um, when you sign a contract, assuming you sign a standard contract, is you get given, let's just use a million dollars as a standard base. You get given a million dollars, but it's not given to you. They expect that money back, right? right? And for that million dollars, you sign off usually your masters, which is the original versions of your songs, which they can then use to market forever, usually forever. And you also give the rights to 80%, something like that, 80% of the revenue share of your music, right? Okay. Of So like if someone buys your album, 80% of that is going to you but it's not actually going to you because then you got like managers stuff like that and then 20 percent goes to the the artists sorry the 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 label but you don't make any money until the label gets its one million dollars back and for a lot of artists you don't make one million dollars right so uh you don't make any money (laughs) because you never reached that one million dollar threshold in terms of music selling music so instead what you do is you you tour and those that touring money usually goes straight to you. And obviously you have to pay the venue or whatever, that kind of stuff and like all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, you make that money. Unless, of course, you sign a 360 deal, which is quite common nowadays because people don't buy music anymore as quoted by you guys. Just for reference, I buy music at least, I would say monthly, like digital music. And then I go to a store every couple of months and buy like CDs and stuff. So I'm I'm definitely out of the norm. Like most people, and of course, most of my music listening does happen uh, like through Spotify. But I just buy those that music just to own the CDs, right? Right. So 360 deals work in the way that instead of just getting money from selling songs, you sell them, you get them from selling songs, from merchandise, from endorsements, from everything. That's the most common way right now. And that sucks for an artist because now they don't even make money off their merch because that's all being split as well. So how do how do you make money in the music business? The answer is don't sign with with a label. 
right? Mm-hmm. Do not sign with a label. Don't sign with a label. At least don't sign a 360 deal, right? right. Have you guys heard the whole uh, Taylor Swift fiasco? I did hear about it. You mean I the general, like, couple of... You mean the rights to her songs in general? Belong? Yeah, like the rights to her masters and how that works. And she like, she remastered or she remade her first album, Fearless. Was it the first album? Right. I forget, but, I but yeah, she, she did re-record a whole album. something in order to have like the complete masters on yeah. hand for herself or something like that. Eventually, she wants to make a version of all of her, her all of her albums, Taylor's versions, right? So her albums that are owned by her. But of right. course, that doesn't matter if, um, say, what, what was the biggest song on Fearless? Was it Love Story? Do you guys remember Love Story? Yeah, I remember it vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Romeo Take. It's a song about like Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. It's like a standard love song. That song gets so song. popular. Yeah, it gets, got right. so popular. It's in like a lot of ads. Every time that ad gets played, the original guy who owns the Masters will get the money. Unless, of course, they play the Taylor Swift version. Mm. So, yeah, if you're... None of you, Wait, none of us. So how, like, what I didn't understand is, like, won't that run into copyright issues? If no, Like, no. how does that work out? She, does, she's allowed to do that because she's the creator? Uh, not quite. Or I think was... there was a there was a limit. There was, like, a 20-year, I, I don't know how many years, but essentially they owned, exclu- the, in the contract, it was, like, you have 10 years of exclusive rights to this album from its release date, and then she had the right to re-record. So it was in the contract. Most so people don't have contract. that. Okay. Yeah, most people do not have that in their contract. They right. indefinitely, like in like forever, give masters. Right, you said like they may, they're probably hold on to forever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to try and buy it back from them, like it's hard. They, they won't it's sell hard, to you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was the whole thing with like Kanye and people like that trying to buy back their masters. So, so, so ads. Um, is it like theoretically possible for an artist to just sustain themselves off Spotify without signing for a label if they got big enough? Basically, using it like YouTube or Twitch, like without any middleman, if they could somehow create an audience that wanted their music, and, and they would consume it directly through Spotify, like that—that that would be a viable model. You're saying? No, because <laughs> I'm sorry. Just through Spotify, Spotify make you make about zero point zero zero twenty-five cents okay. on every stream. So that guy made had like twenty-five thousand streams in the video. He had twenty five thousand streams, and he made seventy two dollars. Okay, so you still have the tour. You still have the tour. You have some tour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, at some point. Um. So let's say you're you're a relatively big artist. You make about a hundred thousand streams per per month, right? That gives you. I'm just doing the math right now. You get two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> Unless, of course, you are on Apple Music, which is far smaller of a platform. Uh, in which case, you make five hundred dollars. Yeah, not a lot of money, right? Not so you're not money. you're not making money off it. That's why things like Bandcamp exist. Do you guys know what Bandcamp is? Yes, I remember. I fucking remember Bandcamp. This is like a blooper thing, though. Yeah. Bandcamp's still like relatively popular with like MySpace, Bandcamp, people, yeah. People who want to support the artists directly. So that stuff where people can buy music directly, and Bandcamp doesn't take a very big split. Um, but yeah, yeah, you you can't you you cannot survive off of streaming platforms. It's not possible. The people who are surviving off streaming platforms are signed to major record labels, right? Right. Because they make, they get like, what is it? Eminem's had, I think he broke, he became the fourth artist to have 14 billion streams on on Spotify. Mm-hmm. 
but Eminem is Eminem. So you make it sound like artists are just stuck in like a like an inextricable spot between the labels and the streaming platforms. There is fuck no matter how they go. There's no independent way to go. There is the the, the independent way is to give away your music for free, <laughs> uh, or rather, not care about your the the money you make on your music and make money through other ways, whether it be be through touring, through merch, through endorsements. That's the true way to make money. You're not making money off your music. You're making money off the platform your music makes for you. Right. Right. The, well then, that's that's pretty grim. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> no, we're not gonna get like this, despite you know those articles you see every year. It's like guys, vinyl play vinyl. The share of people buying vinyls this year went up by zero point two percent. Now there've been seven people who have bought vinyls. The music industry oh. is saved. It's like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, not really, not really. Well. well Save your but guys. That, you know what's big in Japan? Okay. You know what's big in Japan? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You know the the new indie thing isn't vinyl players. It's now cassettes. So many Japanese artists I see sell cassettes. That's not just that's not just Japan. It's like a New York hippie thing too. <laughs> is it okay? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, my theory was have that, now become retro. Yo, let's bring back cassettes. Alright, so oh. but don't buy cassettes because you know why you shouldn't buy cassettes. I know what Wax was trying to do. Wax, why shouldn't they buy cassettes? Why shouldn't they spend their money on cassettes? Uh, because they can spend their money on <laughs> a local struggling podcast instead. Indeed, guys. Yo, if you enjoy this content, if you enjoy our commentary, our very, very insightful, unique commentary that you can't get anywhere else, go to co-fi-coffee. I know that their, their, link suck, their link sucks. It's ko-fi slash... Oh, my God. I did, your, I did your thing. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Coffee, coffee, co-fi.com slash. Yes. Well, I mean, come on. People know this, right? Yeah, they know. They know. You want me to do like, yeah, it's ko-fi slash dot. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God, Wax. Oh, my God. Okay, let me me try again. Let me try again. ko-fi.com slash the jujus. Yes. Right, what the juju is. You got, you guys know. You guys and know. Uh, yeah, give give us money so we can keep doing this shit. Because obviously, obviously, I've proven that we have that we're worth it. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, to end us off, I'm just gonna pull out a song from the golden age of Japanese music. Uh, no song, an album from the golden age of Japanese music. It's by Flipper's Guitar. It's called Camera Talk. It's heavily inspired by like seventies. American music, uh, and it's half made by well, what it's a group that was one of them was Cornelius, who's a famous Japanese uh, guitarist. Take a listen to it and tell us why this music has soul and substance in it, and has blood of the artist coursing through it, and why J-pop doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. What year is it from again? Nineteen ninety. Okay, okay. So you've picked it. Okay, it's not the seventies. It's inspired by the seventies. What's the name? Camera Talk okay. by Flipper's Guitar. All right. Well, yeah, I, I want to recommend the album that I just mentioned. Um, you know that 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 tragic band. Uh, there, them are us too, and uh, the album is Remain from t- twenty fifteen. You can find it on Spotify. It's easily streamable. Them are us too. Remain. If you like dream pop, it's just like a it's just like a good dream pop album that that harkens back to the eighties. 
and, and I and I found it like very eerily haunting and very catchy in a, in a strange way. So that's my recommendation. Um, I don't really listen to music much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one one music I have listened to a little bit is this Korean thing. Uh, do you know Kwana? Uh, Wax? Nope. <laughs> I'm a very boomer. You're very boomer. Yes. Um, he's like this YouTuber who makes these really funny um music regarding food and other things. And yep. he has like five songs. He has like 10 songs on uh, Spotify right now. I think. Let me see. I don't know how many he has. But regardless. Yeah, so we're, we're if you're Korean, we're... you should look up Kwana and listen to what he has. It's All right, funny. on like YouTube Quana, or something. Quana. All right, JPEG. on YouTube, on YouTube, on YouTube. Thank you for yeah. joining us. It was always lovely as all. Lovely as always, to talk to you. We haven't talked in ages because we haven't been playing League together. Because <laughs> <laughs> Wax asked me, he's like, "Do you know JPEG?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah we played League heaps of League together." And he's like, "Ah, yes." So maybe we mm-hmm. need to play League together, and I can play on 260. Or you guys can play an MMO together. And yeah, look, if you want to play Final Fantasy, hit me up. I'll, I'll resubscribe. You resubscribe? Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll Keith. remember that. Keith, how's SmackDown been? Keith? I've not been watching SmackDown. What have you been doing then? Why were you AFK for so long? I was AFK for 10 minutes. Okay, because you, you don't care about a podcast. Well, I was AFK because of reasons that I'm not going to get into. Uh... But yeah, I mean, I was here listening the whole time. I just, I had to step away for 10 minutes. Keith, what album did Az recommend? Uh, some Japanese album from 1990. Flipper's <laughs> Guitar, something like that. Camera Talk, <laughs> right. Pillow yeah, yeah, Talk, right. something like that. Okay, okay. That's good enough. All right, all right, guys. See Pop you next week. See you next week, right. guys. See you next week. See you next week. See ya.